0: Turn in your Bible or in your bulletin to Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue our journey through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And as you're turning there, here's a question for us to consider as we prepare to read these verses this morning. It's a question that I get. Sometimes from folks, sometimes folks will ask me, what is your vision for Mountain Fellowship? What is your vision for the church? And I'll ask you the question, what is your vision for your church? Whether it's Mountain Fellowship or another, what what is your vision for the church? Well, my answer to the question is it doesn't matter what my vision it is for the church. What I want to know is what's the vision of the one who bought the church with his blood? What's Jesus' vision for his church? And so that's what we're going to learn this morning. Paul is going to tell us what the vision Jesus has for his church is. And uh, we're going to dig into that in just a moment. But let me pray and ask him if he would show us. Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you come now as we read these words from your servant Paul? And would you help us to understand a little bit more about what your vision for your church is so that we can begin to think about what your vision for us as a church is. And I pray for your help because this is way bigger than I can cover in 25, 30 minutes. So would you help me to be able to clearly kind of summarize and synthesize some of these thoughts and then would you help your people Um, lord a lot of times we we pray for the preacher which is good and i'm thankful for that but but we need to pray for the listener and i pray that you would help us to hear you speak through these words this morning um help us holy spirit uh, make us attentive um begin to make some things fire in our hearts and our minds um, that would help us to, to see Jesus and to see his love for us as his church. So we ask you to do that this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we get ready to look at these verses, I want to say something that may shock you. Um, but I have a health and wellness coach. Yeah, it's a new thing. Um, and the reason I have one is because I thought to myself, I- I'm 54, and this is the only instrument God has given me with which and through which to serve my wife, my family, my friends. You all. And um, I'll confess to you that I haven't done a great job um, at at taking care of this, stewarding this instrument I've been given. Um, You know, I love comfort food, and I hate to sweat. And that's just a bad combination, you know? And, And, you know, people say, preachers tend to, look like me, Um, but I'm I'm not saying that, I'm not, my wife's going to get mad at me for self-deprecating, but um, I'm telling you this because I need help. I do care about this body. I care about it, Um, and I want to use it well, so, but I need help because I'm just not good at this stuff, so I hired a health and wellness coach. I need somebody to help me do this. And the cool thing is one of the first things that we did, that he did, is he's helped me put together a vision for this body. So, What do you, what do you want it to be and do down the road? And we talked about all kinds of things. I mean, you know, part of the vision is I'd like to be lighter on my feet, <laughs> and, and that would take care of all kinds of other health problems. I just want to be healthy. I'm, not, I'm look, not looking to be buff. My calling is not to be a bodybuilder or a, whatever those fighters are on TV, the UCF, or something like that, or UFC, or I don't see, I don't even know. That's not my calling, so I don't care about being all buff and all that stuff. I just want to be healthy. Part of my vision is I want to be able to roll around on the floor with my grandchildren and play with them without feeling like I'm going to die, <laughs> you know? So he helped me craft this, this vision of, of what I want to be and do in this body and attach it to my values of my love for God, my love for my family and for people serving you guys. Um, so we crafted this vision, and now what we're doing every week is we're just taking little baby steps working on the plan to get to that vision. You know, so, see this is what Paul is doing in these verses this morning. Paul is telling us first of all that Jesus cares about his body. Secondly, that Jesus has a vision for his body, and then Jesus has a plan for getting that getting that body to that vision. So, look at these verses again in chapter 4, verses 11 to uh, 16. Um, Jesus cares about his body. Now, where did this whole idea of calling the church the body of Christ come from? It's kind of an odd thing. We don't believe that we are the physical body of Jesus. Jesus has a physical body, and He is at the right hand of the Father right now in that physical body. So we're not his physical body. This is a metaphor. This is a word picture, but it's a really powerful one. And so where did this idea come from? Paul is the only one of the apostles of the New Testament writers that uses this imagery of the church being the body of Christ. And there's a lot of debate, and you can read all about it in some book somewhere like I did, uh, about where he came up with this, because it doesn 't come from anywhere that we can imagine, and one of the one of the strongest theories I believe and uh, said Claire Ferguson, uh, who 's one of my favorites, also agrees with this, so that helps me but is that it came from when Jesus confronted Paul on the road to damascus and i 've talked about this a little bit before remember uh, Paul was on his way to put Christians in prison and to do who knows what else to them. He was uh, on the rampage to go get them uh, because he hated their Jesus and he wanted to destroy uh, them. And Jesus showed up on that road and blinded him and, and he said, who are you, Lord? And, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, then called Saul, said, Well, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, that had to have been really strange for Paul. What do you mean I'm persecuting you? You're not even around here. I don't, I don't see you. I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting these followers of Jesus. And So that right there is what many think, locked in for Paul, this connection that Jesus has with his people, that if you're persecuting them, you're persecuting him. And, and some believe that perhaps this is what Paul led Paul to have this idea of we are members of the body of Christ. Uh, and so he says that in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, he, he says that, We are many members of one body, the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. So Jesus cares about his body. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. And so because of that, he has a vision for what he wants his body to become. And that vision is found in two parts in these verses. And these verses, man, they're so intricate and involved, and I'm really going to try this morning, if I can, to simplify what they're saying. Uh, I, I thought about this hard all week. How can Lord, how can I make this very simple? And here, here's, here's what I've come up with. Jesus has a vision for his body, and that vision is that it would grow. That it would grow. Now, one of the Other questions that I get when I tell people that I'm a pastor of a church or if they know that I'm a pastor of churches, here's how it happens. I haven't seen them in a while, and they say, Hey, Jimmy, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? How's your church going? And the next question is, is it growing? Now, we Americans have an answer we're looking for. And what they mean is, is it growing? numerically, because if it is, then it must be going well. And it makes you want to say, have you ever heard of cancer? Cancer grows, and it's not good. So this is not what the kind of growth that Jesus is talking about. There's nothing in these verses about growing in numbers, okay? Um, We all know that growing in size is not always a healthy, a sign of health. Um, But he has two areas of growth, and here's what they are in these verses. First, Jesus wants his body to grow together, and secondly, he wants them to grow up. Where where do I see that? Look at verse uh, 13. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to. So, Here's the vision that Jesus has that he wants us to attain to. The first one is to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So unity. He wants us to grow together in unity. We'll come back to that. And then he goes on to say, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he wants us to grow up, to mature. In fact, he says later... uh, that he wants us to grow up in every way into him. So Jesus wants us, here's, I'm trying to simplify this. Jesus wants his church, his body, to grow together in his love, to grow together in the love of Jesus, and to grow up to love like Jesus. Okay? If you get those two, you're going you're to have the whole sermon. Jesus wants us to grow together in Jesus' love, and he wants us to grow up to love like Jesus. Let's look at those real quick. Um, Growing together in the love of Jesus. In in verse 13, I just read to you, um, he wants us to attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Of the Son of God. Uh, What is is unity of the faith? Um, Sometimes, when the apostles, the writers of the New Testament use this phrase, the faith, they're not talking about uh, believing, they're talking about the content of what you believe, the faith. And so, Jesus wants us to grow together in the content of the faith. Basically, he wants us to grow together to understand the good news that this book tells us about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And that's what I mean when I say he wants us to grow together in his love, in his love for us. And so the faith, the content of the Bible, and all the doctrine that it teaches, all the teachings that it has, tell us about ourselves, about God, about what he's doing in the world, Um, the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Jesus wants his vision for his body is that it will be growing, continuing to grow together in that good news, in that content of faith, to grow together in this story, the story of Jesus. But he doesn't want us just to know this story about Jesus. He wants us to know the Jesus that the story tells us about. And so that's the other thing he says uh, in verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. and This isn't just head knowledge. He's already talked about that. That's knowing the faith. This is experiential knowledge. This is actual relational knowledge. It's, it's a full knowledge of Jesus himself. You know what Jesus wants for you, Mountain Fellowship? He wants you to know who he is and what he's done, the faith. But he wants you to know that so that you'll know him. He wants an intimate, ongoing, day-to-day, hour-by-hour, second-by-second relationship with him. He wants you and him in relationship together. He wants you to have a knowledge of him as the son of God. That's amazing. That's Jesus' vision for us as his body. He wants us to be growing together in the love of Jesus. And then he wants us to be growing up to love like Jesus. Where do I see that? In the rest of verse 13, he says, until we attain to mature manhood, that means um, to be fully grown up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, now, whose manhood does he want us to grow up into? He wants us to grow up to be like Jesus. That's what he's talking about, to be so full of him that he oozes out of us so we start to live and to love like him. Um, And he goes on uh, later in verses 15 and 16 to describe this a little more, this growing up. He says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He wants us to grow up in every way to be like Jesus, to love like Jesus. That's his ultimate goal, that his body would be built up in love. So there you go. That's his vision for us as his body, to grow together in the love of Jesus and to grow up to love like Jesus. Now, what's his plan? How does he he intend to get us there? Well, that goes back to verses 11 and 12, which we touched on last week, but I want to get into a little more this week. Here was his plan to accomplish this vision for his church. He gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So his goal is to build up his body, to grow it, and this is how he did it. He gave these people who were messengers of his word, who were the ones who God gifted to teach and preach and explain the faith to explain this story that tells us who Jesus is and what he's done. And he gave those people to the church as a gift so that those people would then equip all of us saints to do the work of ministry, to do the work of service, to do the work of loving people like Jesus has loved us. Now let's let's look at this for a few minutes. This word equip is one of my favorite words in the New Testament. It's really cool. I've talked about it a little bit before. But it's the same word that uh, the gospel writers use when they describe when Jesus found some of his first disciples, they were mending their nets. They were fishermen. And so they had these nets made out of uh, rope, and they were sitting there after a night of fishing, uh, fixing the tares in their nets so that they'd be ready to use them the next night when they fish. And that word, mending, is the exact same word that Paul uses here, and we translate it equip. And so God gave the church people who would take his story and show you Jesus so that you could be mended. And the word means to restore something to its intended purpose. And that's what Jesus does for his people. When you get to know the story of Jesus and then you begin to have a relationship with the Jesus of the story, uh, you find that he's going to mend you. He's going to begin to slowly restore you to the original purpose for which he made you. And that's what he does. He does that, first of all, by forgiving us for our rebellion against him. As Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, he, we were dead in our sins, but he made us alive together with Christ and he raised us up with Christ and he seated, it, seated us with Christ at the Father's right hand. He, he redeems, he, he restores us by his own blood and by his own obedience to the Father in our place. And when we embrace Jesus as that one who's been given for us, He comes in by his Holy Spirit and lives in us, and he begins to mend us. He begins to put us back together. So, folks, the church, the church is not a place where put-together people come. The church is a place where people come to get put together. That's what Jesus wants to do, and his word does that as we get to know him through it so that's what equipping is so god has given teachers of his word to help in the process of mending us and restoring us and renewing us so that we could then do the work of ministry and as i told you last week that word ministry is is referring to a servant who like at our restaurants waits on tables And uh, we've all been given a section of tables and there are people sitting at each of those tables in the places God sends us throughout our week. And God has put us there to minister to them, to serve them, to wait on them, to help, uh, help them come to know this one Jesus who will put them back together, who will mend them. And we're not going into those places and and serving those people with an attitude of, well, I got myself put together, and I'm here to help you. No. We're like beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. We're as in need of being put back together or in the process of being put back together as much as anybody we've been called to serve. But this is Jesus' plan, is to give us people who will teach us this story and show us the Jesus that this story reveals so that we could be in relationship with him, be renewed by him, and serve alongside him in the places he's put us. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's, a, that's not a very efficient plan. Why? <laughs> I mean, I know pastors and teachers. I are one. What, what do you think, how do you think this is a good idea, Jesus? Is this how you want to reach the vision you have for your body? Uh, there's got to be a better way. But no, this is the way he's done it. This is, it's this book. There's no way we can know this Jesus without this book. And he sent he's gifted some people to be able to help us understand it and live in it. Um. I don't know, but it's his body. <laughs> and he's chosen to do it this way. And we have to trust him that this is the way he wants to do it. So that's his vision. That's his plan. I just want to close with a couple of thoughts about, so what does this mean for us as, as people who are members of a church, you know, people who come and are part of this body? at least two implications I thought of, and then we'll come to the table. Um, understanding Jesus' vision for his church and his plan to get there helps us adjust our expectations for church. Does that make sense? Um, If I understand what Jesus is expecting from his church, it it helps me with my expectations because if you're like me, you come to church with a whole lot of expectations that get sadly disappointed all the time. Um, But if what Jesus expects from his church is that we're continually, slowly growing together in his love as it has been presented to us in this book, and we are slowly, intentionally, step by step, growing up to become people who love and serve like Jesus, if that's what he expects, if that's his vision, then there's all kinds of things that you know, this church could be about that are okay. You know, It doesn't really matter what style of singing we do if we are growing together in this word and growing together in the love of Jesus and growing up to love like Jesus. And so I can kind of relax if I don't like who the worship leader is this week. I can kind of relax if the preacher doesn't ring all the glory bells for me every week. I can kind of relax if, if Sunday school is, eh, I can kind of relax if these chairs are incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I can kind of relax if the kids are making noise. You know what? If the kids are making noise in this room, that means God has given us a lot of kids to help grow together in their love for Jesus and grow up to love like Jesus. So there's a whole lot of expectations that I have that I can just say, that's okay, because this is a church that is growing together in the love of Jesus through the word of Jesus. And this is a church that's striving to grow up, to love like Jesus. And we're a people in process. So it, it helps me with my expectations from church. And then the last one is really short. It helps me know what to pray for my church. You know, yes, we want you to pray that God would send us our new worship leader but I want you to pray more (laughs) about those other two things that are in Jesus' vision. Pray that we would continue to grow together in our love for him through his word and that we would grow up together to be people who love like Jesus because that's what our neighbors need. That's what the next generation needs. That's what the nations need. They need that kind of church. God, would you help us would you help us be that? I, the responsibility of being one of those shepherds and teachers who's called to equip your saints for the work of ministry, that, that's, it's huge. And uh, I need your help. Our elders need your help. Our, our, our teachers, Jennifer, you know, Sarah, we need your help to do this, Jesus. And we know that you care more about it than we do because you're the one who shed your blood for this body. And so we beg you, by your Holy Spirit, come and give us wisdom and creativity and um, love for you, um, love for your people, love for your word. Help us. Help us. Grow us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.